0: The College Game Day Podcast is presented by Old Dominion Freightline, helping the world keep promises. We got a real simple plan. One me and one mission. Georgia has won the national championship. Touchdown! If you're a fan, you might think this is Sports seven. This might be college football headline. This is ESPN's College Game Day Podcast. Now alongside Pete Thamel is Reese Davis. Tennessee as LSU's ceiling. Maybe Clemson does have a chance and where the tipping point for the bazaar might be this weekend. This is the College Game Day podcast for Wednesday, November 16th. Reese Davis and Pete Thamel here, and there are plenty of things to talk about with the latest release of the College Football Playoff Top 25, but I have to get to more pressing issues first. Today, November 16th, is one victor peter thamel's birthday happy birthday pete
1: you have good sources reese you have good sources um i think we blame uh, bill hoffheimer and in, uh, in pr for blasting that out to the to, to the world this morning It's definitely added to my uh to my texts buzzing uh today so thank you it's a good birthday my wife and i are going out to a nice dinner tonight excited for uh excited for that and uh yeah, it's always lo- it's always great to be loved, and certainly on your birthday, you, f- you feel the love.
0: So. Well, I don't want to let I don't want uh, to let your adoring public know precisely where you're going to be, but. Can you give us some type of insight oh, yeah. into what kind of restaurant and all sure. of that? Because I yeah. look, I don't want, you know, I don't want to cause any, any disturbance yeah. or anything. But um, yeah, we're, we're going to Mastro's in the seaport in Boston. That's
1: a, nice. a, it's a haunt of ours. Uh, yes. It for, for whichever of you I have to buy steak for, this is a good, <laughs> this is the kind of place you'd want me to pay for our, uh, our bet. It's a, uh, it's a good, uh, it's a good old, it's a good spot right on the water there in Boston. We got some, uh, good folks at masters that take good care of us. So, uh, yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be a nice, uh, nice night away. And, uh, yeah, hopefully I'll be able to turn my phone off because nothing's going to happen. No, no coaches will get hired and, uh, enjoy some nice, fine
0: quality meats. Okay. So, um, what is, what's the best birthday present you've ever received ever? ever like wow. right? Go, going back to when you were a little kid was there you know i love the movie a christmas story i know that's different sure. from birthday but the daisy red rider yeah. carbon action 200 shot range model air rifle with a compensated thing that tells time you know that was ralphie's <laughs> greatest gift ever what is pete thamel's greatest gift gift ever
1: that's really tricky um i don't have like a defining you know, when I was like a little little kid, I loved Star Wars. So I bet I got mm-hmm. some like cool Star Wars stuff. Um, like a Millennium falcon. Um, but you get old and like, was it in my birthday's in November? So like was it Christmas? Was it birthday? It tends to uh it tends to blend together a little bit. Um, yeah, I might get back to you at the end of the pod on that. I don't have okay. I don't have a All good right. answer. I did get some nice uh I got a nice hoodie that I'm wearing here today. Uh nice, <laughs> nice, uh nice soft hoodie. So that was, uh, that for my wife, Kate. So that was,
0: I would, I would like the record to reflect. That is a great hoodie, by the way, that I'm not following you for your sartorial splendor, but I am wearing a hoodie and it's not a, it's not a sweatshirt. I mean, this is like, this is like, Quality wool here. And it looks like yours is too. That's very, yeah, that's very nice. It's very cozy. I, I
1: appreciate it. A, a fashion compliment from Reese Davis is, uh, it's like one from Versace <laughs> himself.
0: So <laughs> I do, I do what I can. I got some pushback last night, Pete. You know, I don't really care, but, uh, half the people love you and half the people hate you when I opined that, in my judgment, Tennessee is and should be. LSU ceiling, barring. And, you know, that's the thing about the pushback you yeah. get on social media or other places. No one wants to listen to the nuance. They only listen, they only listen to the headline. Yeah. And I said, absent, you know, LSU doing to Georgia what Georgia did to Tennessee and what Tennessee did to LSU, making it a true circle. I didn't mm-hmm. get a chance to go into this much detail, but I said, you know, absent a blowout because that's the only way it's a true circle of A B. B who beat C who beat A is that they beat them the same way,
1: mm-hmm. sure.
0: and if it's a you know if it's a field goal game or a weird fluky thing and LSU wins that doesn't make it equal to what the other two did. So I what I said last night was LSU can get in, but not before Tennessee, and I'll stick to that right now. Absent LSU just going in and stomping Georgia the way the other games have gone too, because otherwise. Otherwise, there are too many other things. There, if you're if everybody says a full body of work, okay, well, the full body of work includes escaping against Arkansas, against a backup quarterback, escaping against Auburn, who's dreadful, and some great wins. And a tough bad luck loss, you know, opening night that I'm against a good team in Florida State, which is not disqualifying by any stretch of the imagination. So if you take everything, I think Tennessee's better. And then they proved it in Baton Rouge. So that's all I'm saying. But there's been wild pushback on that, even from our friend Ralph Russo, who's like, I think you're I, I don't agree with Reese. And I said, well, you're free to be wrong, Ralph. Go ahead. You know. So. so you
1: you said a lot there. Reese. All I, really I did heard was Reese Davis hates LSU. That's is that right. right? No. <laughs> okay. I All right. I just I want to make sure I translated football, yeah. translated that <laughs> long thought into a fortune cookie. And uh yes, yes, you would kill Mike the Tiger and eat him as a ribeye if you if you had a chance. <laughs> I, I get it. You no. Know, SEC West biases die hard. So I yeah, I understand that's what it that. Is. That's what it so it is. is an interesting conundrum to step back and look at the the Tennessee LSU debate, right? And this is where college football is great because you get these like these wild things where something has to sort of give and something has to mm-hmm. bend. And I remember saying on the pod about two weeks ago, could the sec champion not play in the, in the college football playoff. And, what under your scenario? That's a yes. I know mm-hmm. Greg Sankey would be a little bit persnickety about that about that scenario because he thinks a lot of his champion of his league that has won many of the last national titles um, out of uh, what is it? I, I, I'd have to go think about it for a second, but it's, it's they they
0: won all, they won all 80- of them. All yes. of them that Clemson and the first year that Ohio State didn't win, they won the rest yes. of them. Yes, yeah, since like oh, 06, I guess, or maybe five. Oh, yeah, so. yeah, was, yeah, pre college. I was thinking college football. Yes, playoffs. college football. Yeah. Anyway, they've yeah. they've
1: won a large, they've won a vast majority of them. Not all of them mm-hmm. have been SEC champions, but many of them have. And uh, yes, it would be a really interesting debate to 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 go to really dial in and uh, and, and and go there on uh, on that. I do tend to agree with you. I am a, I'm, when you really start to like say, what do you have conviction behind in these playoff things in these tenants and these different things? Like, I don't have a ton of conviction behind conference champion. I think it's a nice thing. I have a lot of conviction behind head to head. I just do. Now, again, if it's head to head and somebody has, you know, distinctly more losses or more poor performance is short, sure. but like head to head should be head to head. And the LSU Tennessee head to head wasn't close. Now, Brian Kelly did not coach his best game because he 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 fed into the Tennessee wood chipper and he kept giving them the ball back and gambling. And that's what Tennessee does to you. It sort of takes sensible coaches and and sometimes prompts them to do unsensible things to try to break momentum. And I think Tennessee had three short fields in like the first quarter of that game. Mm-hmm. And that in, 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 part, because of LSU aggression, which obviously in hindsight did, didn't appear to be smart. So mm-hmm. I would, I would probably agree with you that I hate LSU. Now I don't <laughs> think, um, I don't oh, think that we're going to get here because this right. argument is obviously this this far outrage, and boy, yeah, no right. sport does does faw outrage like college football, is predicated on the notion that LSU can beat George. I don't think they will. I think they can, but I I'm not like that's not a live scenario in my yeah. mind when I when I game out um things things that can happen. But okay, I'm just happy your biases have been exposed to everyone well, in Louisiana. <laughs> here is
0: well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't, in fact, I know this and this is going to make them even matter. And I'm sorry because I do have a lot of great friends at LSU. Um, this will make them even matter. They can't beat Georgia. They cannot line up and beat Georgia, but Georgia can lose. You know, there, there's a difference. Yes. Anybody can lose. And that's why I, I value head to head, like as you said, but I don't think it's the be all end all. <clears throat> Because of that, teams can lose. The better team doesn't always win the game. If that were the case, then we would then we would have to say, without the a shadow of a doubt, that Arizona is better than UCLA. Well, everybody knows they're not. They played better the other night. They made a couple of other plays. They won the game. You know, and that's to their credit, and that's wonderful. It's great. But that happens in close games. I do I do put more weight on it when you're trying to differentiate them on largely similar teams, which LSU has elevated itself at this point in the season, that they are largely similar to most of those teams they're competing against. So what has to be the difference? All of those things that you take into consideration when one team isn't to use the playoff committee's vernacular, when one team is not unequivocally better than the other. I even read through the... Uh, the criteria. Again, they even used the word pedigree, which I, I might say they want to change, might want to consider changing simply because that implies like historically dominant sure. teams yes. like Alabama and LSU yes. or Alabama and Ohio State, Michigan, and things like that. And that's not what they mean. They're talking about pedigree of accomplishment, um, but unequivocally better. I don't think that about, you know, about LSU being unequivocally better. And honestly, I don't really think Tennessee is unequivocally better. I think they're better, but mm-hmm. not unequivocally so. So I have to go into these other things. So a, a, a notch on the LSU side would be the conference championship. That carries some weight. That's a, That would be quite an accomplishment to beat Georgia. But to me, that's outweighed by the nature of the way Tennessee beat them. If they'd beaten them 30-27, to 27, I don't think I'd feel the same way. But they beat them 40-13, to 13, so I do. Uh, this brings up one of one of my old old jokes in this.
1: Everyone always says, well, like if Ohio State, Michigan goes down to a last second field goal, it's like the last second field goal thing. Why is it always a last second field goal? Why isn't it gonna be a last second touchdown? Like it I think it, that second second always they, every time that scenario is presented, it's presented with the qualifier of uh, and what if it comes down to the last play and, and they win on a last second field goal or they lose on a last second yeah. field goal? It's uh it's just a funny uh it's just a funny like uh hypothetical quirk that has mm-hmm. uh that has developed in the in the in the conversations uh, around this, but I agree, Reese, I understand why you hate LSU. So I have a full I have a I'm have hundred. glad I'm glad you've been clear with the good constituents and uh, in, in Baton Rouge. And, I'm, you know, the one thing I do know about the LSU fan base, they're very measured. They're very calm. I'm sure they're taking this really well. I mean, it's just if there's one if, if they're just grounded in pragmatism, that's what I think about. When I think about LSU fans. So they, uh, they always they, lo- they love pragmatism.
0: They loved me when I was handing trophies to Coach O. And uh, and hosting Joe Burrow Heisman gala dinners and stuff. They loved me back then. Now all of a sudden, I've turned. And, and I like Brian Kelly too. I'd be happy to hand a trophy to Brian Kelly.
1: Yeah, I think Brian Kelly should be very happy with how this year has gone. Oh, I, I I've been very bullish on Kelly, and I was bullish on the hire. And he had some early stumbles in and such with the family and everything. But no, no, with what? By Emily. There you go. Thank you. By Emily, Brian Kelly of Chelsea, Mass, probably like (laughs) 11 miles from where I sit in Southie here. Um, The, uh, you know, the the thesis on Brian Kelly that we've seen is he's an excellent coach in close games, right? That that has just been proven time and time again. He's an elite, elite coach as a favorite, rarely loses as a favorite. And he never had access to the caliber of talent at Notre Dame. He had very good players. You know, when you Mm -hmm. think about Quentin Nelson and like he had great players, but he would not have one to 44 the caliber of players he has. And he's starting to have those now, but this isn't like a ridiculously talented LSU team. It's a very good LSU team and Mm -hmm. there are some players who really flash and oh my God, Perkins, Harold Perkins is just my goodness. He's amazing. He's a a different man. We throw around freak. We throw around these words. Oh, he is. He is preposterous.
0: He's a cheat code. He's I mean, whew man that 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 duck on that last pass rush to cause the fumble when he went under to be able to continue to move at that speed boy he is he is fun to watch he's sensational he just made sure that they there was no chance that they lost that game yes. on saturday and it was yeah uh, it, he's it was he's a marvel terrific. comic
1: character that's yeah. what he
0: looked like yeah um, it, And now and now uh, they play now they play UAB this week, who and Nick Saban's first year beat LSU in Tiger Stadium. Now, Brian Kelly's first year, I UAB, tough, good program and a little bit of transition right now. Not going to happen. Doesn't there
1: tailback McBrideley the country in rushing? Yes, or, he does. he's
0: been he's been one of our our our, our slot machine
1: trivia question yeah, answers. We, yeah, uh, on the old Zotron.
0: Yeah, we got sideways on that. That's supposed to be an uh, an opinion based thing, and somehow all of the, those are those are supposed to be mixed in. Like you know, yes. one one a segment is kind of a gotcha, and somehow uh, somehow they they mix a bunch of them in. So. You know, things happen, right? Sometimes it's yeah. fun to watch
1: you squirm a little bit, you know. Yeah, no, you, I, I you know. are flappable. Forget this unflappable No, I'm unflappable. There's there's uh, flapping. I, no, I saw there, flapping. There was no on flapping. Saturday.
0: There was no flapping. Yeah, you're me flapping
1: was... in the cold breeze
0: on Saturday. Uh, that, it's Bozeman. gonna be gonna be, <laughs> yeah. gonna be nice and chilly. You know what I discovered too is that uh I have I've have misplaced earmuffs and gloves. So there'll have to be a it'll have to be a quick trip uh to make sure that happens because that yeah. that could be a major problem on Saturday morning in Bozeman. I took your advice. I bought some
1: uh I bought some some new long johns mostly yep. cuz I probably gained 10 pounds this season and I'm worried if I wore my normal long johns my suit pants would split. But uh I bought some like like very they haven't arrived yet. I had to pay for the extra shipping, but I bought some tight long johns tops and bottoms to uh to wear out for uh for a couple hits but i'm not gonna lie sometimes like when i'm when i'm not on i like hang out by the show and just like listen on the earpiece i don't think that's going to be happening in old bozeman on saturday no
0: no no, i think you'll be you'll be headed to the headed to the warmth on yeah on saturday morning i i'm I'm really excited about i like i like taking the show to new places the game carries significance, uh, you know. I think Montana ruined things for Montana State last year in terms of conference championship, and then they did well in the playoff. And you know, so I think all of the elements there. And as I kind of look at the FCS, uh, I guess uh, I guess Montana's still trying to fight its way into playoff consideration. Montana State's rolling, um, so you know it should be should be a lot of fun. I think I'm really I'm excited to go and check another state off the list in terms of all the states that that have been visited?
1: I've been to Bozeman before. It was a while ago. Uh, A buddy of mine from college did his first uh, job in Cody, Wyoming. So a crew of us went there one summer and uh, visited Billings and Bozeman. It's one of the most beautiful places in the country. I mean, it's just a, it is just absolutely, uh, absolutely stunning. Um, Yeah. Isn't Cody,
0: Wyoming Mike Leach's hometown? It is Mike Leach's
1: hometown. That's correct. That is, uh, that is correct. Cody, Cody, Wyoming. So, all right. Um, yeah I actually saw the bare naked ladies play in Bozeman Montana in like 2005
0: or 4 or something like that. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing you won't see in Bozeman this week is bare naked ladies. Nope. bare naked anything. Yeah. <laughs> you don't <laughs> you won't see even anything. see any bare skin other than maybe <laughs> yeah. the,
1: the nose or the lips.
0: <laughs> you know, I think the the playoff committee must have done a pretty decent job last night because the the discussion was what you and I just talked about. Tennessee, LSU, and that assumes, as you rightly pointed out, that LSU finds a way to beat Georgia. And the other one was Pollock's dismay and disdain that Alabama was one spot ahead of Clemson. And, well, they're probably going to play in the Orange Bowl anyway, whoever decides to show up to play in that, you know, if, in case either either side were to have opt-outs. But, uh, you know, <laughs> I was he was like, uh, at one point he said, he said, Alabama, just, they're just not impressive. I'm just like, fair enough. And Clemson is. You know, so I, so you know, I, I don't get too worked up about dude. those like like that back there. You can make a judgment either way, right? Yeah.
1: Watching David last night, I could just feel his visceral annoyance that that basketball game went
0: into double overtime. Oh, dude, you shouldn't <laughs> see you should have seen Herb Street on the on the satellite feed Ooh. monitor. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. You know, I was there anyway. I was there for halftime of the of the Duke Kansas game after it. So oh, okay, yeah. But look, I, I can tell you, I was this.
1: long in bed. Duke Kansas. I wasn't making it to Duke, Kansas. I that watched was, your show. Was it looked game. like a great game. I saw it the highlights really good this game. morning. Yeah. 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 No, it, yeah. it, looked, it like, uh, looked like. Really, both games were, actually. Kentucky yeah, Michigan no, that, it was it was a great kind of, I think of that as the start to the season, right? I've obviously watched a bunch of games, but that, like, it's like that, the grand kickoff of uh, of college basketball. And uh, yeah, like, I mean, Louisville's 0-3 already. How about that? That's oh, been. Three.
0: Yeah, three one-point losses. Three one-point losses is like first time in like 40-something years. Anybody yeah, we need to ask Sunday. Bill
1: about some of the statistical anomalies that go uh, that go into that. But yeah, yeah, the Kenny Payne era has been very literal.
0: Yes, very, very much so. I don't want to take us down the rabbit hole with uh, no. college basketball yeah. just yet. But one quick thing, and then I'm going to take us back to Clemson. You said the Champions Classic feels like the start of the season. That's the biggest problem with college basketball, in my judgment, is that nobody really knows when the season started. It just sort of starts. They need to push it back, start Mm -hmm. it probably right after Championship Saturday in college football, have a Mm -hmm. big deal, have big non-conference games, Champions Classic, push it into December and push everything back. And, you know, Billis always jokes that, you know, everybody's got the capacity to pay attention to more than one thing. And he's right. You can pay attention to football and watch basketball too. But nobody, I mean, unless you're the hardcore, unless you're Seth Greenberg and you've been counting the days and, you know, and, and that's your number one thing. Nobody really knows when they start. It just kind of starts, yeah. you know. And it's there, gotten and better,
1: actually. There is at least yeah. there was a more there, refined start this year. It used right. to be terrible. Yeah, it maybe. What are like I mean, I Rhode Island open against Pitt or something? It was just like, yeah. what are you doing? You know. Yeah,
0: I think I think there is a start date. So that's not what yes. I mean. But it's not uh, what I mean more is like building to an event that everybody starts right now. You know
1: and. Anyway, but that's no, if it's the Wednesday after the championship Saturday, I agree with a thousand percent. And there are, let's say there's like, maybe that week, there's a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, each of them, the caliber of Duke, Kansas and the caliber of Kentucky Michigan state. And then you do a West coast and you have Gonzaga play UCLA and Arizona play, you know, who, whoever, Oregon or something Mm -hmm. It's a league game, but you know what I mean? Like like if you Arizona play San Diego state and You might you be a winning game. Yeah, and you do it in—that's uh, true too. <laughs> uh, and you do that in Vegas, and you do one in the Midwest, and then you have you know some tobacco. I don't know. like you. Can, yeah, man, you great. You don't have to be some like brilliant marketer. You don't need to be PT Barnum to figure that out. But the problem yeah. there is the Masters. CBS won't push it past the Masters, and CBS has college basketball postseason until like I think twenty thirty two on yeah. the single worst. Contract in television history right now. So, well, maybe maybe um, the
0: maybe the SEC football contract for them. Well, that's the expiring. SEC. At least that's going up. That that's yeah, it's, it's going up. Yeah. We're, we're delighted about that in the future. Too. Yes. Um, okay. I won't. I, I'll save some of yeah. this for back. How about Izzo's team, are two, two inbound plays? By the way, though, like the full court one and the I, yeah, those were
1: ah oh, phenomenal. I fell off my chair. It was phenomenal. to have Izzo back? Look at how the about that? And
0: two with with Tom, uh, my researcher in basketball, is Gil Bransford, who's brilliant, and he's also a Michigan State guy. So last night he tells me that prior to that game, that that last night, I'll say it this way: last night was the first time. As an unranked team, and it's fair to say Michigan State's not unranked very often, but as an unranked team that Izzo had ever beaten a top five opponent. He'd been 0-7. So at this stage in his career, Hall of Fame, National Championship, myriad Final Fours, still found a first last yeah, night in that, cool. in that victory. It was That was good. Before we move on, there's one quick thing I want to mention. The NBA is off and running. Get your basketball fix with The Low Post. Zach Lowe is talking basketball with the smartest people in the business. Now twice a week, follow The Low Post wherever you're listening to this podcast. What precipitated this was talking about uh, Pollock's outrage with Alabama and Clemson standing up. have, Have we... I don't think we've written off Clemson too soon because the level of chaos, in my judgment, based on where they have them right now and the opportunities they have left to really impress you, it's hard to fathom them getting into the playoff. But have we been premature in that and, and declaring them finished for this season and making the playoff?
1: I would think it's, you need 2007 Seven level chaos for them to, to reassert themselves. I'm not saying it cannot happen. But I think uh, if you take in part just how pedestrian they've looked in general, um, mm-hmm. in part, what is their best win right now? Is it uh, – NC it State. Louis- Louisville. Um, Wake was was ranked high at the time. They beat them in double overtime. NC State, yes. So, like, they- you would really have to have some chaos in front of them, multi-loss teams, like – That would have to be. There would have to be some serious, like one lost Clemson conference champion versus one lost Tennessee non-league, non-division champion. I don't think is much of a debate. I think it's Tennessee just because of the caliber of wins. Tennessee would have two stand on the table better wins than uh than than clemson has had and that's assuming they beat north carolina which i think they will do and again north carolina all credit to your man crush drake may and i was actually talking to some scouts today for a story next week and boy is that drake may buzz like am i am i wrong do the scouts no, your man think i'm wrong accurate. You, are okay, right man, you are crushed good. on the right man reese davis you are crushed on the right man you like him as much as you hate LSU and uh, that is that is I really yeah I
0: really shouldn't have told you the story because now you're gonna think <laughs> now you're gonna think I'm gonna, I'm gonna be getting a call from my friend Scott Woodward down there and saying, hey why are you crushing us you know you ought to be happy
1: anyway so anyway yeah If I'm Scott Woodward yeah. I think I'm, I am I it, I mean look he hired Jimbo Fisher and he hired Brian Kelly so which uh which which one would you rather be managing right
0: now and, um, and uh, yeah and and Chris Peterson uh oh, and yeah? Sark Right. I mean, he's Scott's got a long history of bringing in, bringing in the big guns and uh, Buzz Williams at at, uh, sure did, you know, Kim Mulkey at at LSU. I mean, pulling her away from Baylor. Uh, You know, there's
1: uh, also hired
0: my, my son's going to enjoy this. He also hired an assistant baseball coach at LSU this year, or they did um, that is a rising star. And for those of who that? follow college, Josh Jordan is his name. Okay. he was a, he was at Duke, one of the great recruiters, one of the great guys in in coaching. he He won't be an assistant coach long. You're welcome, Josh. Anyway. We've touched all the bases here. We've gone from <laughs> Tom Izzo's inbound plays
1: to you know what LSU a great podcast to, to, is, Hey, I'm all ones? for rising coaches, man. That's my world. Like you're I know speaking it is. my love language when you talk about that. Now, I don't know anything about college baseball, but if there's some like hot hitting coach that we want to talk about, I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to shoot that down. That's my that's that yeah, that's right in
0: my wheelhouse. Dude, let me tell you this about him. He is an outfield defense savant. The people who think you're just putting people out there that run fast to go get the ball. And I mean, that's part of it for sure. But this dude, he's anyway, he I would say that if he were a football coach, he would probably be an elite secondary coach because of communication and coverage and and things like that. He would probably be an elite secondary coach. So what what where does the chaos? lie this weekend. I've kind of scrolled down through the games. I mean, I think the obvious one prior to last Saturday night would have been TCU's trip to Baylor, but the way Kansas State cut them into little pieces. I mean, you don't get the same team every week, and you know TCU's bound to have a little bit of a challenge to regain that Uh, emotional edge that they had in Austin Saturday night and Baylor's probably a little embarrassed. So you think, you know, they're going to be kind of last stand against the wall, but it's really hard to find that thing. That's going to turn it upside down on Saturday. That, that is obvious, but of course that by definition is why, why you don't always see it. Right.
1: Let's first of all give Kansas State credit for some of like the most random authoritative beatdowns of the year. Like in games that they weren't like 21 point favorites in, they just absolutely curb stomp some teams. So they did it to Missouri earlier in the year. Right. Of course, then mm-hmm. they went out and uh, laid an egg against Tulane, who we've learned is is, is pretty good. It's good. And then yeah. they, they beat Oklahoma State 48 to nothing. Um, on the heels of barely beating Iowa State, on the heels of losing to TCU, they just out of nowhere just completely skunked Oklahoma State, which had a bunch of injuries and everything, but I don't care. Like, that's a good program, and mm-hmm. you, nobody beats them by a 50-burger. And then they came back and just swallowed Baylor whole two weeks later. So at the none of those games going in would I have had any inclination that they would have won by five touchdowns, right? Now, certainly, mm-hmm. Kansas State's great. You were bullish on them going into the year. I'm I'm a big fan of their DNA and, you know, their defense with Joe Klanderman. And Colin Klein, as 1st year has done a great job. Both quarterbacks have played really well. Like, I like K-State, but they've come from the top rope a few times when nobody mm-hmm. thought they were in the ring. It, it's been right. a weird – like, that's just been one of the weirder quirks of the season that they've been able to just really deliver some astounding performances. So, to get back to your – No, I was
0: going to say, and they're right on the cusp of making it. And they, you know, absent Tulane, they really haven't had the bad performance. But, Mm -hmm. you know, going going to West Virginia, I mean, that that could be a little tricky Saturday, right?
1: Oh sure, and uh, and I mean, give give West Virginia credit. They 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 switch quarterbacks to the uh, to the runner Green, and he gave them a spark. I watched a bunch of that a bunch of that game on uh, on on Saturday. It was like a pure emotion home win. They hadn't beaten Oklahoma. Give Neil Brown a, a lot of credit with his job in the crosshairs. I mean, his team really played well for him, and we've seen a lot of times over the years. When a when a coach is is in flux, sometimes the team you know doesn't doesn't show up, and boy, they they showed up with uh, with alacrity on uh, on on Saturday. So I mean, at this point, house money, right? You're 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 going to be playing and coaching uh, pretty pretty free and uh, pretty free and easy. So if we're looking for chaos on Saturday slate. You know, I don't I don't sense a lot of it. There's some good games, like the two pack 12 mm-hmm. games that are that are high end, neither, you know, neither quarter upset. USC's favored by two and a half. Ducks are favored by a field goal. Um, I would think Utah is a pretty good chance to uh to, to win. Um yeah, I, I I just I don't think this Maryland team right now. Can really Mm-mm. they they Mm-mm. the air's out of the balloon there a little bit the, yeah. the way they performed yeah. the last uh, the last couple weeks I don't see them you know people have brought up the the you know the Ohio State time they had to beat them in overtime mm-hmm. uh when Urban was still there I I don't I don't see that happening um yeah I think West Virginia you know at home it you know that's only a seven and a half point spread I think that's uh, that's good i I'll, let me throw this out there I think Illinois stylistically matches up well with Michigan. That's fair. And, uh, and yeah. Michigan is not a team that's like now they have beaten teams soundly, but it's sort of like a slow meat grinder like process. They're not going to be up twenty eight nothing at the end of the first quarter, and so and look, they beat you because their defense is elite. Their special teams, especially at Michigan, have been elite. Um, but but I do think that on a when I'm imagining is going to be a cold, blustery day in Ann Arbor. I think Illinois could you know if that's ten seven in the third, nobody's. I'm not going to flinch.
0: Well. I can tell you on the Picks pod on Friday, I mean, that number is 18 and a half. And I, I'm one of the people, I, I think Michigan's really good. Mm-hmm. I know that their resume may not indicate such, but watching them play, I think that's a really mm-hmm. solid, physical, tough, great running game. Heisman Trophy candidate, running back, Blake Corum. I think they're really good. And it's not that I think Illinois' defense is, you know, just impenetrable, but they are third in the nation scoring defense. Michigan's number one. I am definitely taking the 18 and a half. I mean, for sure, I'm taking the 18 and a half. Now, I mean I don't think I don't think it's going to be a nail bite, a biter, a white knuckler at the end. But I mean, three touchdowns with the defense and the style like that and the limited possessions of both teams. I, you know, I mean. Yeah, oh, that probably means Michigan's going to win forty nine to seven. But, uh, but <laughs> I'm not with with defenses like that and the weather you mentioned, and the fact that you know Illinois has been pretty good against the spread um, as a road underdog. I, I'll I'll take it. You know, I'll, I'll take them and see on Friday.
1: And then, other than that. I, I do think Baylor can give TCU a game. I and mean, look, TCU's offense really struggled against a pretty mediocre Texas defense. Um, Texas defense has, you know, has not exactly been gangbusters this year. So again, I don't want to be like skeptical of TCU because they've certainly proven their worthiness for where they belong in the playoff chase. And they've been they've consistently won. It's it's been a great story there. Um, I think their defense could really, you know give Baylor's offense some fits and Baylor's offense has been a little bit sporadic this year, but that, yeah, that, that, that should be a close. It's college football. Like these, these games are designed when you're when you're highly ranked and you uh, you know, and you go on the road. I mean, TCU is only a two and a half point favorite, which is better than being a touchdown underdog like last week. So <laughs> yeah,
0: no, yeah, that was, that was pretty easy money too. Uh, I think nobody's paying, nobody's paying attention to Stanford and Cal. Would you, uh, we're talking about the two big pac 12 games. So, you know, we're running a clip from the, um, what is the, the ESPNU, I think, documentary the mm-hmm. about the play in 1982, 40 year anniversary of the bands on the field game. So as you, as you know, Pete, I'm, you know, really close friends with Rod Gilmore, who our sure. terrific yeah. analyst who played for Stanford and, guy, and play, right played in that game, played in that game. And in fact, oh, right. um, So I called and had a conversation with him this week. I said, I need some anecdotes, you know, things that haven't really been heard to use as a lead. And I apologized to him in advance. I said, I know, you know, I've brought this up to you before. There are things that I don't tease my guys about. That's the one I don't tease Rod about that. I don't tease, you know, Billis about, um, you know, about the 86 championship game. Not going to, you know, not going to tease uh, you know, Kirk or Desmond or something or David. Uh, I've stopped teasing David about the forward lateral play. You know, the Florida game. You know, all those things that I think are kind of, you know, those guys are such great players that you you know you can have some fun and jab. But there are things that that are you sure. know a little, little close to home. And I know that one is with Rod. But you know, we have we've been such good friends for a long time. I said, hey man, I just I need a couple of stories. He was very gracious. He told me one, well, a couple. One. Uh, that he shared in all humility was that he basically got the ball back for Elway. There was a third and two play, and he said that he looked over at Joe Cap, who was the Cal coach at that time, and he said Cap was sitting there with his arms crossed, and he's looking at Rod, and he's nodding his head. You know, Rod's not the biggest guy in the world. He's, you know, strong, but he's not a big guy. And Cal, I've forgotten who the running back was. But he had a big running back. And so Rod said to his safety, Rob is a corner, he said, I'm not playing coverage. I'm going. And so he hit him in the backfield, stopped him on third down, and got the ball back, and Elway led the field goal drive, and then that led to the, the kick. But the other one he, he told us that there was a panel for the movie and the, and the book that was out just happened recently, last couple of the nights. And um, one of the officials that was in the game, and, and the one who almost blew the play dead, was asked at this panel, was he down? And the official's answer was, I don't know. He said, he said, I had my whistle and I saw the knee and I inhaled to blow the whistle. And just as I did, he said, and he was watching, but just as he was about to blow the whistle to show you what a thin margin this was, he's about to exhale, game will be over. And he sees the ball. And so now there's just that little hint well maybe he and so he didn't blow the whistle. And for all wow. these all these 40 years even the official is not positive whether you know uh, whether the runner was down prior to you know Kevin Moen wound up with the ball and ended up going in scoring but uh, that's so an that's amazing
1: story. The yeah. fact that he inhaled is such a good detail like Yeah.
0: and then didn't and, did. and I just read on uh, ESPN.com a great mm. story. Uh, Joe Starkey, who has the iconic call of that yep. game on the radio, is yep. broadcasting his last big game. Oh, very this cool. Week. Isn't that, isn't that cool. something? I mean, yeah, yeah it's, it's is, such a great call. And, yes. Yeah. And like, and like all of us, I think in broadcasting, I'm sure in, in, uh, in your former life as well, you're still a, a tremendous writer, but you're also doing broadcasting, too. Whenever you do something live and in the moment, when you go back and look, there's always I didn't like this. I didn't like that. And I I guess Joe, the rest of the night that was beating himself up because he felt like he didn't give enough detail (laughs) because you have to remember, you know, he's calling it on the radio. But I mean, it was it was a legendary and just a tremendous call. Yes. Did you? Yeah. I mean, you can hear the call in your head. Like when we have this conversation. The band is on the field. Do you do that? Like I know you can edit what you write but at some point it's it's out there yeah. do you ever go back and and reread something you've written and go ah oh sure you hate it all right yeah. like that's yeah. that's uh, <laughs> what i would do i
1: remember this is a funny story the night of the kick six game uh Pat Forty and I stayed in Columbus, Georgia, your old haunts, where you were known mm-hmm. as Reese Reese baby. Your friend Roger told us, uh, <laughs> oh, last brother. week in, uh, in Athens, <laughs> um, Reese started out his career in Columbus, Georgia. So anyway, that's like a, the town nearest Auburn where you can stay mm-hmm. and not pay $600 a night for a hotel or whatever. And, you know, uh, I think Pat and I had driven over to the game together and then obviously took a while to write our stories. Cause you only get one kind of kick six. And yeah. it was interesting. He was in the press box. I was actually on the field, um, uh, Chris Davis, I think his name ran. That's like right. when I say mm-hmm. he ran right by me, I mean, he ran right by me. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I remember I actually had to step out on the field, like cross the line after he'd long gone by me. He's 30, 40 yards because the whole team was in front of me. It, he went away from me and the whole mm-hmm. team was in front of me. So I was like eight yards on the field looking down the sideline to seeing if anybody could catch him. So anyway, uh-huh. that was like, you're not going to get another one of those, you know? Right, and, right. uh, and so after Pat and I re- retreated to, uh, to the, a bar in Columbus that we've actually been to a few times, um, over the years, covered Auburn games. And, uh, I was like, oh, I hated my stories. Like oh, I hated my stories. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I, like, I don't even want to read mine. Yeah. <laughs> the, but that's, the, perfection, uh, the, the perfectionist
0: in you is why you're great at what you do. I mean, mm-hmm. okay, enough sunshine up your skirt, but it is your birthday after all, so why not? Yeah. 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 Too much sunshine. We could we could block it out. We could block yeah. it out for now. So. <laughs> you're very uncomfortable taking compliments, aren't are, are you? I, I would say yeah. I would say I, I I I'd rather deflect than
1: embrace. That's probably a fair that's probably yeah. a fair, fair description. So Okay.
0: All right. Best in game brought to you by Old Dominion Freight Line, helping the world keep promises. All right, so we talked about Clemson. What about North Carolina? Too many holes on defense. Like if they, if they run the table the rest of the way, if they were to say have. Um, and I don't – you know what? He's worthy of consideration. I, I just have a hard time quite getting there that Drake Mays is going to win the Heisman Trophy this year. But you've got a legitimate Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback. Yeah, you go through, you win the ACC championship game. You're a one-loss conference champion. Uh, Albeit in the the weakest power five conference, I think most would agree, except the most uh, most staunch of ACC fans. Any Uh, any does North Carolina get the same level of consideration that Clemson might get if they are in that situation? I think
1: they probably get about the same because I don't think their resumes are like drastically different, it right down to the loss. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's yeah. going to be. This, it's the same. Uh, it's it's the same loss. One's road, one's home. But um, so, you know, I've been fairly critical of Gene Chizik on this uh, on this podcast because their defense gave up 61 to App State. I remember watching that uh, FAMU game uh, at opening weekend and mm-hmm. they moved the ball on him. Willie Simmons and those guys move the ball on pretty, pretty well. Georgia State scored 28. now. They have gotten better on defense, meaning like they didn't give up 61 to a mediocre Sunbelt team. And mm-hmm. that's really what App State has turned out to be. Uh they're I think they're five and five and two and four in the league. Um so, but they they've gone from getting gashed on defense to being like good enough on defense. Um, again, I'm not uh, I'm not saying that 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 you know they're there's they're making teach tape down there at UNC, but they've gone from really basic and flat to When you talk to people who play them now, at least like they they offer some blitzes and they offer a little bit more complications. They've had some injuries there, but I I don't know, man. I I don't know if a team that gave up 61 to App State can be – I just like – there's nothing about their resume other than the wins, and there's plenty of wins, and Mm -hmm. that's what you get paid to do,
0: um, that gets me excited. Um, Yeah, now – Orange, Orange Bowl is a really worthy accomplishment for both. It, yes, yes. Both, exactly. Either, whoever wins In, that game, Clemson or North Carolina. That's a yes. That's a I know it's not the standard at Clemson, nor yes. should it be. I yeah. understand that. And yeah. I don't, I don't begrudge them. I don't, I don't say for one second when you've accomplished what they have that they, oh, you should be mm-hmm. happy to go to the Orange Bowl. I don't mean that. Yeah. I mean, this team, which whether you're viewing with football judgment or viewing, Uh, metrics and efficiency or strength of schedule or whatever it might be is good. Yeah. Not great. You know, so I think if either whoever, whichever of those teams winds up winning the uh, the ACC and going to the orange bowl and playing an SEC opponent, great run. And then make your point then, you know, make your point against, you know, Alabama or Ole Miss or whoever it is that winds up in, in that game opposite you, um, or, you know, LSU, if they were to, you know, if they were to lose to, um, if they were to lose to Georgia in the SEC championship game, you know, go make your point then and, you know, say, you know, say those guys on the game day podcast didn't know what they were talking about. But I think that, you know, I I don't see a scenario in which either of them wind up in the college football playoff. And I think that's, I think that's appropriate because I think all of the teams uh Ranked above them that are listed as contenders with the possible exception of USC. And I think Alabama kind of the same as Clemson anyway. I think they're better than North Carolina, but they're kind of the same, just have different, different strengths and, and different weaknesses. All of those other teams are better than them, at least in my judgment. So I don't have a, I don't have a problem at all with, um, you know, a one loss ACC champ being, you know, left out in favor of in favor of Ohio State if it were to lose at home uh, on a last-second field goal peak to Michigan or to, you know, certainly not to Tennessee. So, anyway.
1: Let me pivot on this because you mentioned the Orange Bowl before and you mentioned a Clemson-Alabama matchup, which is great, Mm -hmm. right? Who wouldn't Mm -hmm. flip on the TV to watch great players Mm -hmm. and all those great players? How impacted Reese? I think this is an interesting question for the next six weeks to stir the pot a little bit. How impacted – do you think the bowl season will be with opt-outs now that we're in the NIL era? And I will will ask that question by adding this piece of editorial in it. An AD said to me this summer, just off the cuff when I was on the phone with him, I have like a big, like I'm planning like an NIL stash of money to pay our players to play in the bowl game because I'm worried about that. And like bowls, should bowls pay the player? Like there's some interesting- That would be great. I think so too. There's some interesting concepts that come up with bulls and such like in again, like uh, Bryce young, what does it behoove Bryce young to p- play in the orange bowl?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I, no. So anyway, I just curious what you think, if you think we see because of NIL and the portal and, and the portal is going to be a huge factor too, because everybody's going to jump in December 5th. Do you think we see a drastically impacted bowl season?
0: My instinct tells me that, At programs like Alabama and Clemson, you're not going to see as much as you think you're going to see, you know, that that a few years ago or even just prior to NIL, two years ago, you could really make a pretty easy case because, you know, they weren't officially, you know, legally or within the rules, I should say, making money now. 've got you've got guys to use Bryce as an example. I mean, Bryce has done really well, you know, most estimates say well under seven figures. so it's not it's not NFL money. but it's not the same level of risk because you because you have, you know you have some money. And that's true for a lot of players. So I think that at programs that have great institutional pride, and then maybe because of that particular matchup, I wouldn't think that would be too effective. Now, the flip side of it is, and I don't mean any disrespect, so I won't use a I won't use a name, but if you have a team playing someone that if you have a big name team playing someone that maybe the players go, what? You know, and deem that as not a big deal, then maybe, then then maybe you'll see it. So I, I maybe it comes down to where the money really doesn't change it that much. But that is a great concept. The bowl should do that. Pay and you know what? Pay it like the Super Bowl. Pay them to win. Pay them more if they win. You know, bottom line here. But if you win, you get this instead. So,
1: I agree with that. All of that, like 10,000. percent. Yeah, uh, that completely.
0: So. That that could be fun. I've got a you know one thing we we missed on Monday was <laughs> uh, was dumb loses more than smart wins. The dumb loses more than smart wins last week. Did you see poor old Baldwin Wallace and what Mount Union, who always wins, did to them? I did not. Division three game, final play, Hail Mary, bounced off the guy's head and into the arms of the receiver and gave Mount Union a 23 21 victory. 21 7. Mount Union never
1: loses. Like if you're a Baldwin Wallace, that's like, ugh.
0: Yeah, I mean that's just a cr- but. I mean, everybody says knock it down, but you can't you can't give them a header right here when the World Cup's starting. You know, I mean you you can't you've got to knock the ball down and make sure that you're not heading it into the into the net. I, I use that analogy to tease that Bill Connolly will be with us on Friday because Bill Bill Connolly likes likes the sport. Of soccer, which I'm gonna uh, ask people. people I think well, I, I, I want to know because what the world caught up on me. Did it sneak yeah. up on
1: you? I was like, four well, days no, to- like on Sports Center, they were like, uh, Sam Borden's like live and Cutter, and I was like, whoa, this, I, I kind of knew it was happening, but like, man, it's
0: happening. Uh, it'll be since I'm not in studio for it like I was in the Euros, and it also is in the middle oh, of college yeah. football season. I will be, uh, to put it kindly, a casual. Uh, I won't even say observer. I will I'll casually find out about the results. Yeah. Oh, oh, they see, won? soccer's okay. the best
1: background sport. Like if you're working at your desk and you're talking on the phone, True. It, to me, there's no better like on in your office, put the volume on pretty low. But then if like the announcers get excited, you can kind of look up and be like, oh, it's a goal for, uh, you know, whales. And then you can kind of just go back to work. You know? yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm I probably, it builds a, a soccer head and you seem to be somewhat ambivalent. I'm probably in the middle. I like, I'm, yeah. I'm super casual fan, but I'll probably yeah, watch the first too. USA game. It's on like Tuesday at two or something. So like, yeah,
0: you know, yeah. we all yeah. like sports, right? We like sports. Yeah. I like sports winners and losers. Oh boy. Here we go. Winners, winners and all losers of right. what we'll have to pick <laughs> on Friday. We'll try to get a few winners for you. If we can, uh, turning the corner, getting so late in the season hard to believe that we're coming down the gut of it and down to four undefeated teams uh we will be here three times a week throughout at least for the rest of the regular season and into the into championship week this has been the college game day podcast you can download it wherever it is you like to listen to your favorite podcast